0: Welcome to Philosophy AU,
1: the show where we analyze and explore the modern world through a philosophical lens. My name is Lyndon, I'm studying artificial intelligence, and I'm interested in the design of efficient systems for virtuous outcomes. I'm Josh, I'm studying psychology, and I'm interested in the generation of progress that alleviates suffering in the world. We believe in the power of knowledge and the role it plays in creating a better world. We hope you enjoy the show.
0: Back at it after a couple of weeks apart again.
1: Um, so we're on Skype today. Yeah, our, first, <laughs> our first Skype call. Um, we'll see how this goes. I was a little little worried about the dynamic. I guess um, mm. I think it's pretty pretty fun sitting in the same room. Always. It's yeah. Like obviously we've got enough rapport connection built up over the years that we can make this work, but it'll be interesting just to, just to see if there is a a noticeable difference. Hmm. Yeah. I was more worried about the, um, the internet connection
0: situation (laughs) because last time I tried to do one of these, it uh, dropped out so bad because I think I was upstairs and um, the internet connection was just really um, deplorable. So, but I think we're good today.
1: How's that? You worrying about tech issues, me worrying about people issues. (laughs) (laughs) The switch, <laughs> made that that switch. Yeah. Uh, so today's episode, um, we'll finish off the the first part that we started before Josh and I did our monologues. So this will be part two of um, you know, intellectual virtues. Where we're going through the, the 12 virtues of rationality essay. Um, we'll jump into that in a second. But yeah, I'll ask you quickly, Josh, how's things in your world? Updates and insights, huh? Um,
0: gosh, yeah, I don't know. I My mind has very much just been on the logistics of life lately. Yeah, because I'm moving houses, as you well know. Um, so a lot of that boring stuff, calling utility companies, internet, movers, cleaning. It's hard when you – well, <laughs> first of all, it's hard being an adult. Um, but then second of all, it's hard like living alone and trying to do all this shit. Um, but I've done it, you know, a couple of times before I'm a master at the flat pack and carrying mattresses by myself downstairs. So, um, that is, that is all well and good. Um, but it it is just a, a bit of a sting. Um, all right, to take this a bit deeper, one thing that I've had to come to terms about being an adult is running costs of life. So, that's one thing i really despise but and i fail to take account for but is an absolute necessity like servicing your car or you know insurance things like this things that aren't necessarily additive but they are necessary necessary to keep the machine running whatever that may be or to keep the system running and so something like moving houses it's just it's uh it's quite annoying to think about that I'm paying hundreds of dollars just to move things from one place to another. But, you know, that's what I've chosen to do. But yeah, just the, the, the inside of that for me is just coming to terms with, um, yeah, the running costs of life that I don't usually prepare for because yeah, as you know, it's like, it's hard to pay for something, but not to see any tangible benefit result or, you know, any tangible thing come out of it you know what i mean
1: yeah i completely know what you mean um i don't have massive insights in this area because i think it's something that i actually handle relatively well um Mm. i think it was probably just a habit that was drummed into me um and just yeah like I've, i've definitely spoken to friends who who complain of probably their, their lack of financial literacy, um, like taught to them by their parents. And just like the money was a taboo topic around the, the dinner table. So they sort of like reach, you know, 18, 20, 25 even. And they're like, this is stressful. I hate this. Why Mm. am I always being (laughs) asked to pay for things? Yeah. Yeah. It's a hundred, that, connect so
0: well about just the financial literacy inheritance that you get from your parents, because um, my parents were absolute numbskulls financially. <laughs> and uh, I've certainly inherited that, but I have been able to learn from it and do a little bit better. Um, but still, it's just those deep ingrained habits that are hard to hard to get past. Um, but yeah, what about what about yourself? insights
1: um well i'll quickly just say that i I certainly don't think um well i've said this before but i i always think it's a decent reminder like the only thing better than having an excuse is having the thing that you're excusing yourself for not having and that seems a bit kind of um say more wordy but I th- like it's, it kind of ties into today's conversation about how like we, we love to cling to beliefs like, yeah and so many people go forward into their adult life going, Oh, my parents didn't teach me, you know, mm. about money and they just keep like, and yeah. it's good. It's good to have an excuse. If you don't have say financial literacy, then you want an excuse for why you don't have financial literacy. yeah But totally. the only thing better than that, having an excuse for something you don't have is actually having the thing that you ultimately want. Right. And that's Got financial you. literacy. Got you. So what I'm kind of saying there is, yeah, maybe you didn't, and you specifically, and just you in the kind of universal sense. Like, if you don't have something, you can either complain about it or mm. learn about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it's like a... Uh,
0: a deterministic nihilism kind of approach that we fall into, of like, you know, this is the way it has been, or this is the way it is, and I'm just going to um, resign to that fact, whereas perhaps you're getting at that that's not necessarily the case.
1: Yeah, it's probably a little bit of that, maybe um, sort of tied to locus of control as well, and just that that narrative that we tell ourselves, but even just stripping away that kind of, um, you know, philosophical kind of terminology around it. Like I really just think it is like this three step system. It's like the worst thing is to have is to not have something and not even have an excuse for it. Mm -hmm. Or if like, it's a really poor excuse, like, Oh yeah, I was just a dickhead. Like Mm -hmm. if you can conjure up some kind of, um, you know, believable excuse with a strong enough narrative that gets you to the step two. But step three is the one that we ultimately want. And I think there's that exaggerated takeoff of payoff Mm. um, if you can get to step three. Anyway, that's just something I try and keep in mind all the time. Um, Yeah, actually, I've probably like been reflecting on finance a little bit this week as well. Um, not, not in the same sort of sense that, that you spoke about, but, um, like this week I was asked what, uh, like one of my favorite achievements is, or like, what's the, what's the thing that I'm most proud of? Um, and I think, I think probably like getting into the housing market was, is Mm. one thing. Like, Mm. I'm not not really materialistic. So I feel it was a bit of a tension for me to realize that that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of in my life. Yeah. Not pointing to, you know, one of my degrees or, um, some kind of professional work that I've done, you know, therefore think Mm. this podcast. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's interesting.
0: Why? So why is it, why is that the most or one of the top?
1: Because I think this this is one of the first pieces of evidence that the way I see the world is actually an effective, uh, like Mm. there is utility to the way that I see the world. Mm. Um, And this very much ties to my, um, I guess I have a, I'm not the perfect long-term thinker, but I think so many people fall, so many people optimize for the short term and I've just, my, my competitive advantage I think is just pushing that out just a fraction. Maybe I'm like a medium term optimizer Mm. and yeah. So for all those probably occasions where it was like not going out to eat, um, yeah, just spending superfluous funds. Yeah. It it has paid off, but at the time you're kind of just like, I'll never get there. And is it going to yeah. be worthwhile when I get there? Yeah. But yeah, now getting in say into a house, the, that is that like one of the biggest piece of evidence that I was like, wow, those, those short-term sacrifices do have some kind of exponential payoff in the end.
0: Yeah. Big time. I do love that train of thought because like, that is one thing that sustains me a lot um, insofar as I can to stay on a bit more of a, um, a rational path. It's just like seeing the tangible outcomes that come from it. Um, and again, I probably have similar things, but obviously not the exact same, where I've achieved things or I've, um, acquired things that might seem like, I don't know, perhaps like banal or everyday. I can sort of step back and realize, hopefully at least, that uh, like if I didn't you know see the world in the way I see it or um, think about things the way I do, I probably wouldn't have been able to acquire this, whatever it may be, X. Um, and because it is really because like it's it's sometimes such a hard link to draw to be like, what is? <laughs> you know, reading books and thinking and having deep, thoughtful discussions going to ev- ever do for me? Like, why don't I just go out and get on it every weekend and just not stress about life? But then there are these things that pop up, you know, like, yeah, I think we, we can have the wherewithal to see that, you know, actually, you know, um, there is some sort of line, even if it's not a direct, linear path, um, there is some sort of relationship there.
1: Um, and yeah, it is sustain sustaining. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And I, I certainly agree. Um, and I can, maybe one of the tricky things is I feel like I can see these processes occurring for you and possibly you can see them occurring for me, but they're really hard to see for ourselves. Yeah. Like on any given, you know, any given Saturday night, I'm kind of like, I love sitting at home and reading. So there is kind of like the intrinsic value of that. But mm. as I've spoken about before, I think part of the intrinsic value that I acquire from that is believing that there is a kind of payoff coming for engaging in that behavior. And once you sort of recognize that, then the counterfactual question seeps in that like, well, will it actually pay off? Mm. So there's there's always this kind of, um, yeah, question and concern that it won't, I guess. But yeah, I feel like I can see it occurring for you. You possibly can see it occurring for me. But it's just hard to see within our own life because we're so aware of all the messy details and it's so non-linear. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the the
0: payoff date will just be one quote-unquote day later than perhaps everyone else but uh you know hopefully that is a little bit more but that sort of connects to one thing that I'm and obviously I know you are is like quite passionate and I don't want to get us too far away from everything but just that like our best years are so far away like I just have this hobby horse that people just romanticize your 20s way way too much like oh they're the best years of your life and like There are so few things that are better in your 20s than they are later on. It's literally like what you've got more energy, you get less hungover after nights out. You've got a little bit more energy. Like the crux being that if you just live a little bit thoughtfully and do things um, a little bit better, like your 30s, 40s, 50s and onwards can just be like almost infinitely better than your 20s. There's just so much romanticism around, like oh, you know, the your 20s are the best years of your life, and you know, hold on to it and make the most of it. Um, but yeah, I'm just so so. Uh, I guess clear in my thinking that 30s, 40s, and 50s will just get um,
1: exponentially better. Yeah, that's, that ties to a question that I was going to ask you before. Actually, was when you are talking about the the running or maintenance costs of being an adult, I was going to ask you, like, with even all that considered, do you find life more enjoyable the older that you get? Yeah,
0: definitely. I have this thought every single year and, um, Usually around my birthday, which is coming up, by the way, even though I forgot your birthday.
1: Can you please tell me when it's going to, like, just text me the day before and be like, hey, I know you're my friend (laughs) and I know you don't want to feel shitty about this, but my birthday's tomorrow, so just a heads up.
0: I wish, well, I wish you did that for me (laughs) because I did feel shitty, but that's 100% it. Like, I don't, I could not care less, but it's like I know other people will maybe feel bad if they don't say anything, (laughs) so, but yeah, anyway, um, i think it's on tuesday i I legitimately kind of forgot about it but um
1: all right so all listeners who have my phone number please text me and remind me that josh's birthday is coming up (laughs) thanks sedge (laughs) mum started listening too so we really need to be careful with oh hell yeah (laughs) oh man like she told me that after we recorded the psychedelics episode (laughs) (laughs) Wait, has she listened to that one or is she start from the start? No, I don't think she knows how to work podcasts yet. So I think she's listened to just some in random order. It's like whichever one Apple podcast popped to the top for her. That's hilarious. Um, But yeah, I do have that thought
0: every year of like, and it is legitimately this thought. It's like my life just keeps getting better and better every single year um, in so many, so many ways. And um, I'm just so confident that, that that will just keep going. Um, and it's, it's two things, right? It's, uh, it's recalibrating my hedonic treadmill and also, um, building up and growing, uh, you know, capital in different ways, capital and wealth and, you know, like, uh, human capital, social capital, um, relationships. So it's that mix. It's like, it's pushing, pushing that tangible stuff that you can see, but also recalibrating like the inner wants to try and pull that back. So then it's that classic, you can be rich by two ways, earning more or wanting less. I'm trying to like do it from both ways, earning more and wanting less.
1: Yep. I really like all that. That touches on so many things for me. Um, I'll try and get through them quickly, but I would actually like to do a – an episode on, I spoke about this, I think in one of the insights and updates kind of sections, um, when I was reading the breakdown of will, which is about mm. hyperbolic discounting, mm-hmm. but maybe I'd, I'd really enjoy, I think doing an episode on just, uh, like time biases and just mm. ha- that whole phenomenon and how it plays into our lives. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, one thing I will say is that, uh, I think possibly – or let me – maybe I'll phrase this as a question. Do you think we possibly have bit of a male bias here in that um, while somewhat non-PC to say there is sort of the, the sociological theory that, um, you know, the value of females somewhat declines, um, prior to like the social value of females from say like a reproductive standpoint declines, um, earlier than males and males, are uh, somewhat increases with age because of, um, you know, young males are basically like cattle fodder. It's like, go to war, like do hard labor, do, and I'm speaking like ancestrally here. Mm. um, but the sort of the the middle-aged um man is a bit of a an archetype for sort of desire from that ancestral standpoint whereas younger females um, relating to their reproductive fitness is kind of uh, yeah i'm i'm hesitant to say sort of like say these ideas as you know um, no yeah i think it's if you, as long as you like um explain
0: exactly what, I get what you're saying, but as long as you make that explicit, I think you'll be fine.
1: Yeah. All I'm saying is, um, that that is probably one tiny fraction of the things that inform our worldview and possibly like just as males, one of the factors allows us to, um, have more confident that years, you know, 30 to 50 are going to be better than 10 to 30. However, that's not the only factor that goes into this equation. And I certainly don't, you know, I'm not implying that, you know, females can't enjoy and like, you know, there's there's tons of books that like, you know, life starts at 40 or like mm. all these kinds of ideas that you can make wonderful things of those years of your life and is not an all downhill. Um, yeah, I was just wondering that that's – if that's possibly something seeping into our thinking here. But mm. I think ultimately – It's more our dispositions and Mm. the work. It's our interest in engaging in conversations like this, in making sure our behaviours are instrumentally aligned and things like that that are much bigger factors than the anthropological ones. Yeah, I think it's definitely a bit of column A and column B going on there.
0: I think one thing that connects to me here is uh, black... honing in on that sexual desire aspect that like um you know i do think that i think that things also will get better will and ought to get better for females as they get older um and this is just this is quite a narrow point but something as simple as like having your best sex you know once you're older i think that's probably quite an agreed upon thing and i think that is the case and um, you know, just cause you're males and females, so you're so much more comfortable with just like saying what you want to a partner and being less embarrassed and less self-conscious and not, not being so inculcated into the narrative that pornography sets out for us that like, it's all about <laughs> P and V like penis and vagina penetration and both coming at the same time and like squirting orgasms for women and, like, rip dudes with, like, absolute hammers for men, um, I think you just, <laughs> you wake up to the realisation that, oh, that is fictional, and uh, the sooner that that happens, because you just gain more experience, and you're like, you have more data to work with, that like, oh, okay, that's not, because, like, when you're 18, you've had sex once, but you've watched a million pornos, but when you're 35, hope hopefully, <laughs> that side of it slows down, and you gain more, um, you know, anecdotal experience. And so, yeah, you're just more aware of, I guess, the territory rather than this, uh, rather than this colluded or inaccurate map of what's going on. But yeah, I do think that like, there is a lot of that social influence on how men and women ought to, um, age and how they need to perceive that aging. Um, but I, I do think it's it it is a mistake to completely buy into that, even though there is like a a decent bit of um, maybe like evolutionary psychology
1: theory to back up some of those things. Thanks for that. I tell you that Mum starts listening to the podcast when <laughs> you talk about dudes <laughs> with hammers. Hammers big hogs yes sorry mrs Pless. i was like yeah he's he's about to say tribal tattoos and he's like hammers <laughs> <laughs> oh god um, that's funny yeah no i just completely completely agree though um and i i've really enjoyed seeing this in all my friends male and female the ones who have who have kind of said, like, oh, no, it's been so cool to, like, become an adult and, like, realise what's... Because I feel like a good 50-ish percent of my friends have kind of had that um, groundbreaking realisation that their preferences are allowed to change and they're just going to follow the things that make them happy in life, like, like ultimately kind of happy. General preferences, you mean? What, What I'm kind of saying is, like, You know, my friends say for the moment are roughly between the ages of, like, 25 and 30, Mm -hmm. just as a range. And I think there's a good-ish 50% of my friends that have, like, vocalized to me that they had some kind of glass-shattering moment in the Mm -hmm. last few years that they didn't just have to try and be the popular kid in high school that they were trying to be 10 years earlier or you know, do things that were perceived as cool. And some of them have got off social media or like deleted their entire Instagram account and just started from scratch again because they want to build it around things that they actually care about. Just little things like that Mm. are exemplary of, I think, these deeper realizations that they've had about life. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really cool. And I think that might actually be a good stepping stone into um today's topic but the point i want to make about that sorry quickly is that that's been true of males and female friends yeah like both of them have found more joy in years following school than yeah within school and i think that trend can only continue if you um adopt the right behaviors
0: yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense i think if you're uh I've thought this for a long time. I think if if you're the same person you were years ago, then you're doing something wrong. Um, Or like a lot of people have said, if you, you know, you hold the same, if you're not embarrassed about what you said years ago, you're perhaps doing something wrong. And I think that is quite accurate because obviously the landscape is changing. And so, you know, we sort of need to shift our opinions and beliefs. As Cain said, as the facts change, my opinions change. So I think that's the case. Actually, I need to say two more things. So yeah, go.
1: Um, this is relating to like these are the best years of our life kind of thinking. Something that always comes up for me is like acting as if the be- um you know your twenties are going to be the best years of your life is a guaranteed way to make that true. Ooh, nice. That's really good. It's just like because it's the people who are say going out on friday to monday morning benders yeah. but then posting about like you know this is the only time in your life where you can act freely and do things and yeah. um, make the most of it chase what makes you happy i'm like oh yeah, yeah it's sort of just your what's the what's the word i'm looking for um self-fulfilling prophecy or yes that's the one exactly thank you um and the other thing i was going to say is We'll have to do like a Naval episode at some point, just like an Naval's wisdom. Yeah. Um, but I really, really like his line of thinking that like success does make people happy. Yeah. It's, it's a sort of a social wisdom that success isn't guaranteed to make you happy, but on an individual level you are happier to be more successful than not and that there's all kinds of ways that that equation can go wrong and you need to be wary of that. But, um, (laughs) you know, uh, the tech lead, the tech lead on YouTube. He's the guy who the video you sent me about how like, um, (laughs) all the cool kids are at parties. parties (laughs) Yeah. So that, that guy is called the tech lead. Um, and, He's super funny, <laughs> um, but he just speaks about how like success is fun. He's like, everyone tells you that success isn't fun because like 90% of people aren't successful. So they need to um, create that idea. But he's like, I have worked at Google. I've worked at Facebook. I've done all these things. I've been successful. I'm now a, a millionaire. I'm telling you it's fun as fuck. Yeah. A lot of things. there. So that is the very
0: definition of retreating to an inner citadel. It's like, there's the game, they can't win at the game, so they say the game is rigged. It's like, I, I can't be successful, so I'm going to redefine success in my own terms, which, again, like I spoke about, there's a lot of utility to that, and I think that can be a good thing, a good tool to have in your toolbox. Um, however, it is kind of just another way to distort reality and be like, I'm going to create my own reality and win at that. Um, so that is spot on. Another thing is... Uh, a quote that I've always loved and I don't, this might be an a Naval quote, but it's like money won't make you happy, but being poor is miserable. Something to the crux of that. And which is so the case. It's like, it's that necessary, but not sufficient sort of thing. It's like, once you get past that certain amount of wealth, everyone's heard that like 77,000 number. Um, and I've definitely experienced that. It's like, once you get to a certain point, it's like so much more probably isn't going to nudge the happiness metric too much further. Um, but, you know, go anything beneath that, you really, you really feel it disproportionately. Um, The last thing that I wanted to say is like a lot around how we speak and how we view the world. And I guess like our implicit judgments around others in the world is kind of like a normative way of looking at it. Like we think there is a wrong and right way about living and operating in the world and a wrong and right way about how maybe a better and worse ways. Um, and I think that's okay, but like so many of us are like scared to say that, like there's this, uh, just like accepted wisdom now, quote unquote wisdom that of uh, just accepting like relativism of like, you can do what you want to do and that's okay. Like that's you, um, but I think I'm like okay with just pushing back on that now and being like, you know what, there probably actually is just a wrong and a right way to live. Um because like when you say comments like that, it's like or oh, like talking down at people who are I don't know, like not living how you think they need to live. Like that's not a very um not a very like attractive or accepted way to speak. You know what I mean? Like it's very common to just be like, oh yeah, but you know, you can do what you want to do in life and you can live however you want to live. But I think, I think that's a mistake. I think there are better and worse objectively better and worse ways to live. And I think all you need to do, and this is like a very like Sam Harris-esque um, little tangent and argument, but like all you need to do is put your flag in the ground on the most extreme ends of the spectrum. It's like, okay, Uh, would it be okay to be a rapist? As soon as you say no, you've charted out that territory and you've brought about this spectrum of experience where anything that way is worse and anything this way is better. And you've allowed for this conversation to occur that, okay, there are better and worse ways to live and operate in the world. And, uh, you know, we should be able to speak about them. And sure, the closer you get to the middle, it gets a little bit murkier. But it's still, like, a useful endeavor to have those conversations. And I think it's still accurate that, like, that is an objectively worse way to live your life. And all you need to do is put yourself in those shoes. It's like people like to say, uh, you know, it's okay if you want to be poor or do this or do that. But, like, if you were there, you probably wouldn't do it. And that's perhaps quite, quite evident that, um, you know, there's something to this objective way of looking at things. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, and you're probably preaching to the converted a bit here. Um, Mm. I feel like this is, this is a line of thinking that I probably hold more strongly than what you do. I think you are, um, a little bit more, say accepting of, um, people are freer to do as they please. Um, you know, and you, you often speak about that sort of, um, you know, axio- is it axio- axiology? Yeah. yeah. Morality, axiology, that kind of um, thing. Whereas I probably fall just slightly more towards being normative and saying, no, that is a bad behaviour or, like, worse, if this is something that you value. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think – and it's, like – to be clear, like, I, I don't mean to be totalitarian in in these kinds of ways. Um, in, tr- in thinking that I should dictate behaviour, only that once you have some kind of axiom for how good behaviour is or what, like, bad behaviour looks like, you can't then defend against those axioms once they've been written. It's just like, if you've written it in the rules that this is how behaviour is to be judged then behavior must be judged. And you can't just say, oh, people can do what they want. And what I'm kind of getting at there is just, as you said, like sticking your flag in the ground at better and worse. Like if that's the most awful thing and this is the best, um, most desirable thing, um, yeah, we have a zero to one range. Yeah, 1,000%. Hey, so really
0: bad. (laughs) My movers just got here. So, uh, we will actually have to wrap this up, but we have had a good, like 50 minute discussion anyways. Um, yeah, we can, we could possibly even just do this in two parts if you like. Yeah. Um, I reckon we'll upload, we'll upload this. This has been a great chat. Um, but yeah, they
1: said they were going to come later, but they literally just got here. Um. Yes, sorry, Pete. So thanks everyone for listening to our you Catch know thirty five minute long episode about saying how the episode will start soon as long as we say one more thing. wait oh, that was fifty-three minutes, my friend. No, the recording's only been going for thirty-four though. Oh, true, true. That's okay. We chatted um, for like twenty minutes beforehand. All right, you go do your movers, like literally run off. I'll stop recording this and end the call if you like. All right. Um
0: All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Sorry about, you know, but this is life and uh, things will be a lot better next time. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Bye.